2: you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM
3: 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Big news, Adam. KU has made the top 10 for Dylan Edwards, top uh, running back in the state of Kansas Derby. I saw him play against uh, Free State. That dude is unbelievable. Great, great speed player, but... Um, I, just- I- who do we have? Why, on? why do we? Why do we do this? Why? Why do they have the, to release the, like top a billion? Well, I I don't why can't to be like. Three? My guess
0: is because they want to like now. Like you, you figure if you release, let's just say twenty five fans slash media members from all of these colleges follow you, and you release a top five. That's one hundred and twenty five mm. new followers. <laughs> you double that if you make it ten. So silly. It is very silly. Um. <laughs> But I will say this on the actual topic and I know the the it's joking that it's big news cuz it's a top 10. Right. The kid's uh, going to his senior year? Um yes, he'll be a senior
3: this next uh, season so derby. So he's a class of 23. That was like 10 yards of carry. But
0: John Kirby did make an interesting point um a couple of weeks ago where he said the discussion right now that at the moment KU is not landing a ton of in-state kids from like class of 22. But what they're doing is they're they're constantly double-backing and making their faces seen in these high schools. So, as if I remember right, he kind of said previous KU administrations would, if they didn't think they were getting a kid in that particular year, they didn't even bother. Whereas with this administration, they know, okay, even if we don't have a chance or even if there's a kid at this high school that we're not interested in this particular year, we want the coach and we want the players to, to keep seeing our face walking around their weight room and know that KU is constantly showing up at these high schools and building relationships with coaches. And that could pay off come 2023, 2024, that sort of thing. And those could be the years where you start seeing an uptick in players uh, from the state of Kansas. And that gap that we all talked about ahead of the K-State-KU game last year If I think it was like 51 Players from the state it was of Kansas lot. for K State, around fifteen like, to twenty for KU, like nineteen or for yeah. KU, yeah, for KU. So I think that it could be maybe 2023, 2024 when you see that number jump as those, you know, in the immediacy, there's not not much payback or not much, um, you know, not much reward. But in the long term, if you keep up those relationships and the the high school coaches know that you're serious then they'll start telling their players, okay, no, now this KU administration is serious.
3: Yeah. Uh, so the Kansas City Chiefs schedule is fully out after last night. I did not really consume the uh, release shows, uh, but I did consume some of the... These are always great. Some teams do this. A lot more teams, it felt like, did this last year than this year. This year, it only felt like I saw a couple. Maybe I just didn't see them all. Um, of, like, schedule release videos. Nobody yeah. does them, but I mean, like, in a creative way. Like, the Chiefs one. Was very basic. It was just Andy Reid reading the schedule, basically, and, and reacting with like one word. Most of them was like "ugh" the, or something like that. You know, the best
0: one that the Chiefs it's like ever the show did. we have
3: on before us. Every story is like Ugh. "oh god," yeah.
0: <laughs> children everywhere are gonna eat for free for the right. rest of their lives. Oh <laughs> god. Um, but anyway, uh, I the most creative one I think the Chiefs ever did was either last year or the year before. When they, because Reed had at that by then been the coach of the Chiefs long enough that he had, they they played every team in the NFL, so he was um, every so like it was like week one like let's I can't remember who they play who'd they play in week one last year um,
3: that's a great question that feels like eight years ago
0: I know regard let's just say it was the Chargers I don't know so like it, it'd be like a, a clip it was the Browns Browns okay yeah so it was like. Week one, and then it was show. Read, looking forward to the challenge of playing the Browns, yes. and then like the Ravens. Week two, looking forward to the challenge of playing right. the Ravens. So, like that was, I think, the most fun one that the uh, the Chiefs did. This feel I the it felt like this one all started. I think the Panthers made the first super, super popular one, and there was in like 2016. They really, I think, were the team ahead of the curve.
3: Yeah, what they do, like NBA Jam or something like something that? Something like that. Yeah, 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 it was. Something You're trendy. absolutely right. It was yeah. NBA Jam. So the best ones I saw, Detroit, the Lions did like a, they had this guy who teaches like a, a training um, self-defense course. Kind of teach that that one was funny. And then the Chargers one was was awesome. That was
0: huge. So I was never a big anime fan. Um, I can I, I mean, I, I know enough about it because, it, you know, my generation really got into it. But like the only anime that I know a whole bunch about it wasn't even a show. It was a movie and it was Akira, which I did love. But I don't know much about anime, but I know that that was a very popular video that the Chargers put out
3: there. Yeah, it was just, It was funny. They had a lot of, like, funny references to NFL things going on. Uh, but the Chiefs schedule in full week one at Arizona, which we did mention yesterday, you know, that, that stinks that you do play them when they're hot. But one thing we forgot, you do play them without DeAndre Hopkins, so that's a positive. That's a good point. He's, uh, I can't keep He's my, I can't keep my lines, I can't keep uh, my
0: suspensions in order. Was he... He was steroids, steroids right? Yep. Um so yeah, so that's that's a good point. Yeah. And so you you know, it's one less guy for and, and look I I think he still plays, but Murray seems to be pissed at the Cardinals right now. Yeah,
3: that'd be um, that's the other good thing because he's saying if he if he doesn't get a new contract, he's not showing up to training camp. Okay, you could have a, a rusty quarterback mm-hmm. with some new receivers and without uh, the best receiver so, on the team, right? That's not, yeah, that's that's we, the right time to catch things, him, maybe. We, yeah.
0: Li, 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 yesterday we just kind of said, well, they're you know we, the Cliff Kingsbury special. You're going to start six and one, and then you're going to finish eight and nine or whatever. Um, but you know, this year uh, could be different. Yeah, because they, they are missing some dudes. And, and if, if Murray stays true at his word and, and isn't just bluffing, um, then or if the Cardinals don't call his, call his bluff and give him a new contract, then, yeah, you could have that uh, out of the gate. I got the Chiefs starting. um in the three and four, four and three territory. Really? Yeah, I still, okay. but I still. Yeah, think- wait.
3: Let, let me run through those games since you're saying four and three. So Arizona, week two, Chargers at home. Week three, Colts on the road, followed by Bucks on the road, Raiders at home, Bills at home at San Francisco through the first seven weeks, and then they have the bye week.
0: The three wins I had were Chargers, Raiders. Uh, yeah, Chargers. Those would Raiders. be the home games. Char- yeah, I had the three home games. Um, you may have now convinced me to go back to backtrack and and say. Now they'll beat the Cardinals. The 49ers is a winnable... Look, all of them are winnable. It's like we talked about yesterday. These teams aren't... You know, yeah, it's Nobody's looking three. at
3: the Chiefs as a buy No, if you go 4-3 and three in that stretch, I think you're feeling fine with it. Oh, I'll take... four. Uh, well, yeah, I'd, but take, you're not a, I'd you're probably... Not
0: a, I mean, f- I, I'll you're not say... not throwing
3: parties, but you're but fine you're
0: you're it. damn close to throwing a party if you're 5-2. You two, 2 yeah. That's big. I, I mean, look, I still... And, and I thought this even before seeing the actual order of the schedule, uh, just seeing, just know, you know, cause we've known the opponents since we knew basically the end of the, as soon as you know, where you finish in your division, you can put together the schedule, the, the opponents for the next season. Um, I've had them at kind of in the 11 and six, 12 and five range, basically this, this whole time. Um, you know, I, I, that's kind of where I. That's just where I have them. I think they go about four and two in the division, and I think they finish. They come home at about eleven and six or twelve and five, and they make the playoffs.
3: Here's the games the rest of the way. Week nine, Tennessee. Then week ten, Jacksonville at home. Then you're at L. A. This is a really tough schedule. You're at the Chargers, Rams at home, at the Bengals, at the Broncos. That's a tough four game stretch in there. If you go two and one between the Titans, Jaguars, and Chargers, you go four and three in that first seven. You're at six and four. Let's say you go even just one and two against the Rams, Bengals, and Broncos. Now you're at eight and six. You beat the Texans week 15 on the road. Nine and six. Seahawks at home. Ten and six. Then you have Denver at home at Las Vegas to finish. You split those two. You're at 11 and six. So um, I don't know. I might have done the math wrong there. That might be 10 and seven. I, I don't know. I got lost in the sauce there. Nonetheless. Uh, and that is even, like, a conservative estimate. I, I think if you were to give the most likely, I, I like, I kind of agree with you, 11-6 and six feels right to me, and that might be enough to win this division, because I think there's going to be some cannibalism going yeah, that's on. That's the
0: thing. It could just beat itself up. Right. We, we talked off the air last night, uh, I think after the show, the, the Chiefs, or the winner of this division, but let's just, for the sake, since we're, you know, here, let's say it's the Chiefs, you could have a scenario like the Rams last year, like the Buccaneers the year before, where... You come home at, at eleven and six or twelve and five, um, and you are not getting a bye, mm-hmm. but you're the hottest team coming down the stretch. Yeah, the and, Bucks were a wild card. Yeah. And 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 you know, you're you're the best team. Um
3: and the Rams were a four seed. The Bengals I mean, were a four the, seed. The
0: Chiefs I, I constantly compared the, the, the Super Bowl winning Chiefs to the that Packers team that won the Super Bowl because that Packers team kept dealing with injuries and then just Fired. It started December that year. They were healthy, and they just never lost again. The difference is that Chiefs team did go 12-4, and four and that was back when the two-seed got the bye, and they got a first-round bye. That Packers team was 10-6, and six and they were on the road all through the playoffs. But that was a situation where the best team in the playoffs was not, you know, was not seeded as the best team. Mm-hmm. I do want to go through, and, and I'll let you uh, say what you were going to say, but I, I'm interested... What was the off division I'll say this about the NFC West man it looks like the off division of the NFC West last year was the AFC South which was not a particularly you had the um the Texans and the Colts there or the uh the Jags Jaguars there. yeah and so this year the off division is the AFC the AFC division in the in, is the AFC West so I'm I'm saying that to say that as tough as these NFC West teams look because of how good they were last year, their schedule also got harder because they're not playing the AFC South, they're playing the AFC West.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's important to bring up. So one thing, um, I know Warren Sharp, he always mentioned this when we talk about strength of schedule. A lot of times people will look at strength of schedule and they'll say, well, this is the win loss percentage of what your schedule was like, of what the teams you're playing this year are last year, and that's that's not a, a correct way of viewing the strength of schedule. Broncos because, are a perfect example. Exactly, of there's teams that get better. Off season thing happens. Off season things happen, and also schedules get different. Where a team who went seven and ten last year could have an easier schedule when you play them this year. They're nine and seven or something. You know, um, so if you if you base it off Vegas win-loss totals, because Vegas is usually pretty nails yeah, with this stuff. Yeah. They're not you know perfect or anything, but it's a better indication of the strength of the schedule than going off last year's win percentage. By the Vegas win totals, uh, for expectations for these teams, the Chiefs have the toughest schedule in the NFL. and Really? There's like a graph. It's, I don't know, like a line graph or something, and it ranks them. And I'm going to turn my computer around to show you here. It is not just that the Chiefs are are the hardest schedule. It is a big by off. far that they are the biggest schedule. Oh, good
0: lord! I Look mean, at, the, well, I'll say the Chargers are the ones, the next toughest, and it's a gap. You, I, you should tweet. Did you tweet that out? Uh, no, it was from Warren you, Bri- Sharp. Looks like Briscoe shared it.
3: Yeah, Briscoe shared it, but Warren Sharp is a really good follow on, um, on kind of the footballs. What's side. the
0: Cardinals? I, 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 I don't want to put this on you right now because we didn't prep this. Do you happen to know off the top of your head the Cardinals win lot the total uh for the season yeah. no they won if, 10 or 11 last year look if they're if 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 they're viewing the cardinals as like a nine and a half over under that might be a team you hit the under on because they could be due for
3: it's nine and a half
0: i t- honestly right now i'd put money on the under i i think i, think they I agree could, with you i think i, I could and so that's but that's a perfect example of you know you could come down in in december you know, you could have a team or, or injuries. I mean, look, we talked about this yesterday. How difficult did that stretch of uh Packers Cowboys look, um when the Chiefs were three and four last year and then all of a sudden Aaron Rodgers is out because he's not vaccinated and he got covid. Um and then uh Zeke Elliott played, but um I, or, think I mean, Dak Prescott
3: played, but one of his weapons was gone. Yeah, I think it was Cooper, and then Lamb got hurt like in game. Yeah,
0: so you you beat the you beat the Packers by only scoring thirteen, and I think you held the the Cowboys to nine, partly because the defense did come on late in the year, but helped along by the fact that Cow, the Cowboys had their starting quarterback, but they were missing an important weapon. So you these things are going to happen. You are going to come upon games where. Um, that looks really tough as we sit here in May, but then it's you know just, I'm, I'm, I don't have a schedule in front of you, but let's say it's like week eight, and you're like, oh God, week eight looks really tough, and then all of a sudden, because maybe they've dealt with injuries or they're just not as good as expected, that team's coming into week eight through their first seven games, and they're two and five, and, and they don't look nearly as yeah. tough as they did in May.
3: Or some star gets injured, to your point. Yeah, uh, exactly. and I will say this, on the bright side, Chiefs do not play anyone coming off a bye this season, so that's a good thing. Meanwhile, the Texans play three teams coming off a bye, but they were probably going to stink anyway. So, does it really matter? Yeah, the Texans
0: are. um, I still wonder if if they're going to be like just openly embrace tanking because didn't they sell or didn't they? I know that that there was a a friendship between the GM and the guy who hired him, but didn't they give that GM from New England some crazy like a ten year contract?
3: I don't know. I mean, they already fired read, the first coach, though, so.
0: I thought I read they gave him a wild contract, and when I first well, if saw if you're going to tank, hire Lovey Smith, because that's what they when did. I, and, well, in the GM, that's, when I first saw that contract, I'm like, I think they might be planning on tanking, and just this is like some sort of security that if, like, they go three wins, four wins, three wins in his first three years— they'll still be like, no, we want you to be part of the tanking and the rebuild. Here's our guarantee we're not going to fire you after three years if you only win 10 games total.
3: Uh, I also want to talk a little about the 76ers. They lost last night in the playoffs, game six, and just, kind of put up a dud out there. We're going to talk more NBA with Brandon McAnderson at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. C.J. Moore is going to join us in about 20 minutes. Um, but Joel Embiid, that means he's eliminated from the NBA playoffs. So didn't win MVP, doesn't make it to the conference finals. He's yet to make it to the conference finals kind of oddly enough with some good teams that he's been on and obviously he's been a, a great player in the NBA. And, and as dumb as it is and as much as obviously we won't subscribe to it, we very much know the NBA and again, like how much does this matter? I don't know. Who really cares? But from a media perspective to certain people, from some fans' perspective, from a social media perspective, the NBA is very narrative-driven in a lot of different ways, and very much so for individual players. And I, I can't help but wonder if that, that narrative is—I don't know, maybe James Harden, by performing so poorly and the trade and everything, that kind of covers it up and, and takes the stink off. And I will say, like, I don't think this was Joel Embiid's fault. He missed the first two games. He's playing through injury. Uh, he struggled last night. He was, like, 7 of 24. But, again, like, he was fighting his butt off. Like, he's still playing like a warrior. So, I'm, I'm not putting any blame on it. I just wonder if at some point uh, the NBA community is going to start to, you know, turn. That's what the NBA community does. They just, like, turn on players. It's well, just like, this is the next guy, and then he turned on him. Now,
0: I mean, it happens with quarterbacks in the NFL, too. I think now it's also one of those things where, you know, you need in a world where, you, you know, you want to scream in loud the most the, the most hard, direct, definitive opinion to get the most attention. That's part of it, too. But look, it's a fact that if, if Joel Embiid like the longer it goes for Joel Embiid to not make deep, deep, deep runs in the playoffs, the more it, he, people will question, is this guy a legitimate part of the NBA Modern greats, Uh, and and to a point, I don't think that means you know he's garbage or anything like that. But to a point, I think there's a fairness to that. I kind of look at it. This is an imperfect comparison, um, but Bill Self couldn't make the Final Four until he did, Mm -hmm. and it's not always his fault. And he kept getting to the Elite Eight, and finally broke through. And you know, once he broke through, he won the whole thing. And and every you know nobody questions now how great Bill Self is, but the fact is eventually you just have you know the only way to stop those narratives is to just go through and and make it happen and not make it happen because you know it, you you need other great players around you um but yeah it, whether it's an Embiid thing or just a Philadelphia 76ers organizational thing
3: that's a story until until they just do it yeah and and that's just it stinks because again, I don't. I don't think it's his fault. I think it is a, a situation around him. They, no, they, and
0: and you're anybody's ridiculous if they claim Embiid is not a great right. player.
3: They, they claim they they make the trade for James Harden because Ben Simmons can't shoot and score in the playoffs. James Harden takes two shots in the second half of an elimination game, goes over two shooting. Um, they opted to sign Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, uh, Doc Rivers. We're gonna go over this later. Has had some postseason woes uh ever since his his title day yeah with, the, run uh, Boston, with the big three right um so i don't know it, it's just kind of interesting to me uh, real quick i do want to add. I hope I, he gets back healthy
0: i as time continues and and more evidence builds up i think i think they may have they may have and look again Embiid's injury i think had a lot to do with it um but i i do think they also just got eliminated by one of the three best coaches in the nba eric Spolster's a hell of a coach yeah he man.
3: is He is. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. All right, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. CJ Moore joins the show in about 15 minutes. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, Crew and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they re- look really cool. And they just released—well, not just—but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That's Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, and you'll get fifteen percent, fifteen percent off your first order. That's right. Code Rock Chalk Sports Talk, all one word, for fifteen percent off with Home Field Apparel on your first order. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. CJ Moore of The Athletic joins us now on the show. Just dropped a couple really good mailbags on The Athletic. Go subscribe today and check out CJ's work along with many other great talented writers. Uh, So CJ, in one of those mailbags, you kind of predicted a starting lineup for KU. And I won't give away that whole thing. But I think one of the most interesting parts of your prediction was... Uh, M.J. Rice starting over Grady Dick. And, and your cohort, um, ex-KU basketball beat writer Jesse Newell with the Kansas City Star, he uh, joined us, I think, two weeks ago before he switched over to the Chiefs beat. And he is a believer that Grady Dick could lead KU in scoring next season. So so where's the drawback for you with, uh, I guess, Grady Dick or, or not necessarily even a drawback, M.J. Rice over Grady Dick?
4: Um. I'm probably going to go back and forth 10 times before the season starts <laughs> on that one. Like, I don't feel super strongly on one way or the other. I, I think that MJ might have a better chance defensively early on. And that's somehow sometimes how Bill Self might make those decisions. Um, but if they do get, Kevin McCuller, which I kind of predicted in there, and Jalen Wilson's back, it would make sense to have a knockdown shooter with that lineup. So, you know, maybe Grady Dick actually might make more sense with that lineup, but um, these are silly May 12th or 13th, whatever day it is, conversations that uh, don't really matter that much. Like, it'll work itself out. Um, one guy will merge over the other. Heck, it could be KJ Adams or somebody like that who who starts early on. But um, I, I do think uh, my, my prediction right now is Harris, a transfer, uh, Jalen Wilson, and uh, one of those two freshmen at the, as far as the four perimeter guys.
3: When you mentioned the, the transfer there and, um, you know, it, Three big transfers, guys that are both—I I think all three of them—in the top four for the athletics transfer or available players rankings right now, and um, all have some sort of varying interest. The ones that have been brought up the most: Tyrese Hunter, Kevin McCuller, who you just mentioned, and Isaiah Mosley with uh, Missouri State, and. Uh, you mentioned predicting McCuller. I don't know if that was your prediction of what will happen or, or what you think would be the best fit there, but I'm kind of curious because we've kind of been having the the discussions of, well, who would you want the most of the three? If all things were equal and all of them told you, hey, I want to come here and you could only pick one of the three. I've kind of settled on Isaiah Mosley because I'm just, I guess, a believer in Bill Self will figure out the defense and give me as many bucket getters as you can possibly get. And that, you know, maybe this is taking too much stock into just the last two seasons, but I see how this past year went where we always knew the offense was good. The question was, would the defense get there? And Bill Self had them figure it out as the season went on. Whereas two years ago, it was the defense really figured it out. I mean, I think from maybe February 1st till the NCAA tournament, somewhere in that range, they had the best defense in the country, but the offense uh, just, just wasn't there. I think it was the lowest rated offense on Ken Palm for KU in the Bill Self era. Uh, so I guess who who would you go with as far as uh, among those three, if you had to rank them for what would be the best fit, what KU could utilize the the most or, or would make the most sense for the Jayhawks?
4: Well, this is under the assumption of the C B, right? So um, I think that is probably the best for playing because elite defender like not marcus garrett elite but pretty good like really really good off the ball good on the ball good instincts pretty talker um just a really really good defender and then just kind of a connective piece offensively that's going to play smart basketball i understand wanting a score and i think if it is mcculler like that would be my question mark like who you know um, uh, who can you rely on? Buckets. Offensively, it's offensive. Maybe that's why right. you hear Jesse. Brady Dick. I would be very surprised if Grady Dick's their their lead scorer, just because, um, man, that's tough for a freshman to come in <laughs> and be the leading scorer. But, um, I, I, I just think McCuller having been a proven big 12 guy, uh, gives you great positional size, Uh, allows you to continue to switch on defense and just do, you know, have a really, really special team defensively. And if he starts making shots at a higher rate, like pretty good offensive player and he's a proven big 12 guy, um, you know, with, with a guy like um, Isaiah Mosley, like he's produced at a really, really high level in the Missouri Valley, but um, you know, will that translate? Like you, you just had a year where you had, um joseph yesifu who who was killing it at the end of the the season before in the missouri valley right like not to the mosley level but doing really really well and and he struggled a little bit making that leap with with those other big 12 guys you know that hey they can hang at that level um i think mosley will be a good player but Um, I think there's just a little, you know, there's more certainty with with somebody like uh, McCuller.
3: Yeah. And I guess that's a good point, because I was looking at, you know, Oklahoma, he had 28 on him and St. Mary's had 21. I think he had 20 of 35 in the combined two games. But come to think of it, Joe Yassifu put up a big offensive performance against USC. And to your point, that that didn't totally translate um, all the way there. Yeah, as you look at the current roster, though, where it is, whether you're factoring in who could possibly come in via transfer or NBA draft decisions with Jalen Wilson and Christian Brown, is there an area of Ku's game that you think could be their strength next season? And is there an area that maybe you have questions about, whether it's you know shooting, rebounding, or, or whatever it would be?
4: uh biggest strength, I think, heck, probably the defense. Like. Um, I think you're going to get a little more athletic at the five, um, you know, maybe have some guys that are a little more switchable at the five and, um, then you've got, you know, really good positional length and, um, switchability. And, uh, then you got a guy at the point of attack, like, you know, Dewan Harris, who we all saw in the, in the tournament, what he can do defensively for you. So I think defense will be a real strength. Um, I think being able to, you know, put a lot of guys on the floor that can, can drive it and share it, um, kind of like this past year will, will be a strength. I think shooting's probably a little bit of a question mark. Um, you get a guy in Grady Dick who is just like a phenomenal, phenomenal shooter. Um, but at the other spots, um, you know, let, let's say in a hypothetical world, it is McCullough. He comes in with, uh, um, you know, still kind of unproven as a shooter. Um, Jalen Wilson, hasn't been a great shooter, um, needs to improve that part of his game. Um, MJ Rice, I think he's a decent mid range shooter. Um, we'll see how, how he does as a three point shooter and how his game translates to the college level. You know, he could kind of play bully ball in high school. Um, maybe similar to like a Wayne Selden was able to play bully ball and it took him a little while to, um, you know, get comfortable with the college setting. So, um, we'll see but but I, I do think this is going to be another really really good Kansas team
0: a lot of people have high kind of praise for for Grady Dick's shooting ability so let's say there's one player on this on who you expect this KU team to be so let's say you're you're correct and, and and what we all assume is Jalen Wilson returns and CB is is gone so if you look at this roster not necessarily what you think but what would benefit if, if you could pick one player, that would be surprisingly have a surprisingly high uptick in their offensive game this next season which player would you pick that would benefit KU the most in, in in other words who would it benefit the most to have a surprisingly really good offensive season
4: from the returners
0: yeah from the from the guys' return well yeah or from anybody on the if you want to include the freshman that's fine too and and a potential transfer that's fine too yeah, I mean uptick.
4: So it's kind of hard to say what their uptick yeah, is that's in high true. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think probably Zach Clements. Like, if if, if Zach Clements can um, be a guy that averages double digits um, points and you know just improves all around, um, I think that really helps this team. Like, I do think um, you know the freshman bigs will factor in and, and could 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 be good for KU. But like, it's really really hard to be a freshman big man in the Big Twelve um so Zach Clements I, I think if he had a really good year and improved himself and um had a you know significant uptick and in, in what he was able to do last year then that would be a good thing for Kansas
3: yeah and to your point we did a deep dive about a week ago on um freshman centers under bill self uh we've been doing our our trivia rcst trivia ku basketball trivia tournament with with listeners i'm gonna ask you a trivia question do you know the only freshman center under bill self to uh play more than 20 minutes per game in his freshman season
4: freshman center um i don't think joel got there did he
3: it was he was 23 minutes per game so so okay. Joel Embiid, who is one of the freakiest talents we've ever seen, is the only center that Bill Self has ever had who averaged more than 20 minutes per game as a freshman. I think David Paget was second at 19, and then you got to drop down to 16 or 17. It, it, it's just oh, crazy.
4: David Paget. Yep, yep. The, uh, the, the free-for-all enemy.
3: <laughs> well, um, if KU does land Kevin McCuller, and, and I did guarantee you that KJ Adams was going to be a big part of the rotation— Considering at that point, you'd have Harris, McColler, and Adams, all big parts of the rotation. Uh, I don't know. You could even have Joe Yesfu, who seems to be good at pressuring the ball. You'd have athletic wings in, in MJ Rice and Grady Dick. Is there a case to be made that this team, with that addition of McColler and, and knowing that Adams could be in the rotation, could wind up even being the best defense in the country at that point? Uh, possible.
4: Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. It's um. I want to see maybe what one of those freshmen centers can do defensively and how good, uh, but does the, the Zubi is that how I'm going yeah, really, I'm going to really need to work on that one. Um, I've, I've heard that, you know, he was a pretty good shot blocker in the EYBL. Um, I, you know, he could, if, if he's really, really, really good defensively and yeah, like those other pieces are part of the rotation, then, um, best in the country. I don't know about that, but, but pretty high up there. I mean, M- Mc is really, really good defender. Uh, KJ Adams, we know what his potential is and then DeJuan. So um, yeah, those are some really, really nice pieces.
3: One thing that's of interest to me, whether it's, you know, when Jalen uh, eventually goes off to the pros or, you know, by all indication, it, it does seem like I think we'd all lean toward him coming back right now, but um, whether it's just him on the bench or eventually leaving, it doesn't seem like KU has a, a ton of obvious options at the four right now on the roster outside of Jalen. I mean, if he comes back, he's going to play 30, 35 minutes, so you don't really have to worry about it. Maybe that would be KJ, uh, or does he continue to be a, a kind of five-man? I don't know. Uh, would it be MJ Rice, but he's only six-five. Grady Dick is six-seven, but I don't know if he's the, the prototype of what you'd want playing the four. Uh, what do you think KU's plan is at the four this season when... Jalen Wilson is not on the floor. Whether it's him staying in the draft or just on the bench,
4: uh, just throw bodies. I mean, like if if chemical or or comes to Kansas, like he can play the four easily. Um, MJ Rice is thick man. Like he might only be six five, but um, he's going to be able to to bang with just about anybody. So, um, I I don't think the um that's a con- concern at all. Like they've just got big interchangeable wings. And um, it's kind of, you know, reaches a po- positionless point at, at, at some point. Like, um, was was Jalen Wilson always guarding the fours this year? Not necessarily because they switched so much. So um, I think Self's, you know, kind of come up with this idea of, hey, I like big positionless wings, and, and they can kind of move around and switch and guard whoever.
0: You just called MJ Rice thick, and that's exactly how I describe – different position, but I, it's exactly how I think most people would describe Zuby for. Is it just happen to be that they're just two guys who happen to be built that way, or is there? Do you know if Bill Self has wanted to emphasize finding dudes who like more dudes who could throw their weight around a little bit, like thicker, bigger, broader guys?
4: I think it's just more of a coincidence. I mean, Grady okay. Dick's not. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah not, he's 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 not but, fighting heavyweight, but he's he's got a flamethrower. So um, no, I I just think Ku is attracted to physical strong players like grown men um you know that's why kj adams got a chance like he you know lacking skill but man that guy's athletic and hey we'll try to figure out the rest of it
3: well part of the reason i asked you about the the four plans is because what's interesting to me and this is more of a you know, theme thing with Bill Selfer or or long-term. We've seen him obviously go away from the two big lineups um, and he's undergone so much success now with the four guards, whether it was with the two lead guards or with three wings like we saw this last year. But, I mean, it's not that as much as basketball has changed that way, we're still seeing some teams run the two bigs. Now you just have to have the right two bigs, which uh, means that you're more so going to have, you know, a limited amount of teams, which you do. You have the Dukes doing it and Gonzaga and North Carolina uh, in Arizona uh, all kind of utilized the two bigs this year. Now, uh, in the case of some of those teams, you have kind of freak players playing as one of the bigs, like Apollo Bencaro or Chet Holmgren or whatever. Um, and, and so maybe it's not this year because, again, if Jalen comes back, that's probably 30 to 35 minutes at the four. But whether it is that hypothetical of Jalen staying in the draft or, or fast-forwarding another year down the road when uh, possibly Jalen's gone after that, and there's all these freshmen big men who, at that point, are sophomores. And Zach Clements is back another year, and you have KJ Adams, who's kind of a, a hybrid of a—is he a wing? Is he a five man? Whatever it is, do you ever envision Bill Self kicking the tires once again on those two big lineups where maybe you could see stretches out there of you know KJ Adams and Zach Clements together, or Zach Clements and Zuby Edifier together, or whatever pairing it would be.
4: I think KJ Adams will play a lot of four. Going forward in his career, um, but no, I don't see many two big man traditional lineups happening for the rest of Bill Self's career. I think he's totally, totally on board um, with having playmaking force.
3: I think that makes it really interesting for all those freshman big men. Then uh, big men then, right? I mean, because at I that point, yeah. it's, it's just a pecking order between who's going to get the most of the forty minutes.
4: Yeah, it's going to be a big, big competition. And, um, you know, somebody's probably
3: not going to be happy. Well, uh, he's CJ Moore. You can check out his work in The Athletic. CJ, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam.
0: All right, CJ, one last thing. You co author the great book Beyond the Streak. Have you ever been streaking? <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, I don't believe so. Okay. I'd I hope would, you remember. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like if I, you yeah. would, I
0: feel like that's something you'd remember. <laughs>
4: well, you know, you get enough drinks
5: in you. That's fair. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
4: But uh, no, I think I went through a stage. The closest I probably did that to, to that was, or or something similar. I went through a stage in middle school where I liked to moon a lot. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just the you only know, parties you like to pull up to a window and moon some people that that's probably about as close as I got to uh streaky but now nobody needs to see that
3: there we go well he is uh CJ Moore you can check out all his work in the athletic don't think there's much talk about that but uh yeah like I said some good work on uh some mailbags and KU stuff and more to come over the offseason from CJ CJ appreciate the time as always man no problem. Take care, guys. Uh, that's C.J. Moore of The Athletic. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is KLWN. Depend on it. 4 o'clock hour, and it's that time of the day. RCST trivia continues on today here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We've got our final grade 8 matchup. Our CST trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Kirk Geyser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, rockchuck.io, Jayhawk Trophy and Hawaiian Bros. Thank you to all our wonderful sponsors. Without you, this is not possible and please go help support those sponsors for, you know, helping support this program. Our title sponsor 23rd Street Brewery from the dine-in, carry out and catering all available. You can try the outdoor patio with the weather warming up. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, or any of the great menu items. Don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery Beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. Our first matchup of the day features the one-seed Eric Hanzy and the two-seed Andrew Feiler. The winner of this will take on Ryan Brown in the Phenomenal Four. Also, Justin Nichols and Tyler Feist making it on to the Phenomenal Four. In addition to that, the winner of this will collect even more prizes. So far, everyone who's made the grade eight has already collected uh, $25 gift card from 23rd Street Brewery, RCST Trivia T-shirt. Those were the prizes for making the second round. For making the Sizzling 16, another $25 gift card to the brewery, $10 to Hawaiian Bros, thanks to Kirk Easter State Farm, $20 to CBD of Lawrence, and a voucher for a free sandwich plus free re- breakfast sandwich at McDonald's in Lawrence, Topeka, Atchison, Bonner Springs, Shawnee Mission Parkway in Hilltop, Shawnee, and Leavenworth. And then for making the grade eight, a voucher for a free VIP car wash at Mr. D's Auto Wash. Home field apparel gear. Use code Rock Chalk Sports Talk for 15% off your first order. That thanks to Pella Doors and Windows. $30 of credit for Jayhawk NFTs at rockchock.io. $25 gift card from 23rd Street Brewery again. And then auto entrance into RCST Trivia for 2023. So the winner of this one between Eric and Andrew. Eric, our defending champion, Andrew our uh, contestant who made the Great eight a year ago and is looking to go around further than he did will receive a Phenomenal Four trophy, an engraved water bottle from Jayhawk Trophy. Get all your trophies, plaques, or any special award done with Jayhawk Trophy in Lawrence. And they're not just trophy makers. They're also experts in custom engraving on personal items and custom fabricated awards at Jayhawk Trophy in Lawrence. Another $25 gift card to the 23rd Street Brewery, an RCST hat with a Phenomenal Four logo, and an automatic one seed in RCST Trivia for 2023. With that said, let's uh, re-meet our contestants and bring along another guest analyst, or I guess one that we had on earlier this week in Isaac. Well, Isaac, our guest analyst once again, with Andrew and Eric getting ready to go at it here. And uh, Isaac, you've had the head-to-head experience against Eric uh, last year falling to him. In the title game, does to seeing his face does this bring up uh, raw emotions for you here?
5: Uh, it's kind of deja vu at this time last year, hopped on a Zoom call, like competing for a championship. Uh, you know, we, we, I don't know, we might have competed that first year as well against each other, but I can't remember. But uh, no, Eric, Eric's been the standard so far in trivia, and so so far through three seasons. Um, so excited for this matchup. Uh, you know, I know filer is kind of go-to answer has been throw out Jeff with and he hasn't been right yet. So, uh, we'll see if maybe today he will be able to take advantage of that one.
3: Well, you've been, uh, you know, it's been noted the, the study group with yourself, Kyle Martin, Andrew, I, I don't know how many others have, have been a part of this as well. So have you, uh, kind of been helping Andrew along in this process here?
5: Uh, most of my direct has been with Kyle, but obviously I know Kyle and, uh, and Fowler have been friends for a long time study together so uh you know we'll see how it goes hopefully he's kind of he's kind of uh, the, the torch bearer for the group here so far so we'll see how he can keep going with that
3: well andrew uh the lower seed the 2 seed this is where you made it last year you made it to the grade 8 and now trying to go around further um what's your emotions what are your feelings nervousness uh all that headed into this matchup uh,
2: Definitely definitely still nervous i mean very nervous i you feel pretty good going into i don't know studying the week of the day of whatever and then turn on zoom it's like oh god it's real like (laughs) now we actually have to answer questions so i don't know kyle and i did a little little studying this week together He, he basically quizzed me but other than that you know went about it pretty normally but still nervous going up against a strong opponent for sure so
3: I mean, this is a Friday matchup. The weekend in front of you. Have you thought about the potential celebration ahead if you are to advance to the phenomenal four?
2: I'm gonna get ready for work in about an hour, so I'm <laughs> gonna enjoy enjoy my evening working at Johnny's Tavern to Speak in Kansas. So we'll see how it goes. There we go. There well, we let's go. calm
0: down a little bit. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. My bad, man.
2: You're my, out of my control. bad. <laughs> You're out of control. This
3: is a family show. Mm-hmm. And. uh <laughs> Uh, Eric, meanwhile, you're the defending champ, and you've had to play, I, I think, the most chalk bracket so far, and, and now you get a two-seed in the uh, the grade eight, so a tough draw for you here to make it through, but so far you've been buzzing through nonetheless. I, I'd like to say, once again, I appreciate it. you wearing the home white, wearing the home uniform. I think that's a Keith Langford jersey. Um, I, I guess, do you believe, uh, since you're wearing the jersey, should Keith Langford have his jersey retired?
1: Unequivocally, 100%
3: well uh as you get ready for this matchup where where are your emotions at does winning the title last year take some of the pressure off you because you know if you lose you're just kind of playing with house money and trying to go back to back
1: yeah i think uh the first couple rounds uh, are a little um maybe less stressful uh outside of maybe the fear of choking but um you know you get to the elite eight you want to punch that ticket and, and drop another banner for a final four so i think the stress is is amped up and, um, facing a two seed, nonetheless, uh, makes it even a little bit, uh, put in a little bit more work this week.
3: Yeah. Isaac, I'm curious. Cause you, you were trying to make that run last year for back to back and you came oh so close to, to doing it. Um, it, it, do you agree with what Eric is saying where after you win the first title, you know, the next year it's great if you can win it again, but maybe there's not as much pressure or maybe as much nerves because you know that, you know, if I lost it, at least there's cool. Like I won the title last year.
5: Yeah, no, the, the next year you're definitely still in kind of that honeymoon phase where, you know, whatever happens is, is great you're just kind of adding on to last year. Um, definitely, you know, once you got you got closer to it, you kind of feel like, oh, man, I'm right there, I can do it. So coming up short, it definitely kind of stings a little bit. But uh, for me, going through it was mostly just trying to keep preparation the same, keep the same, you know, routine, everything. So that way you can, uh, you know, the less nerve, the more you can control. Uh, that, that, that was really the key for me going through it.
0: As amazing as the prizes are now, I feel as this event grows and gets bigger and bigger, there's going to be a year where the prizes, like, they're great now, but I feel like there's going to come a year where the prizes go from great to, like, outrageously amazing. That's going to be a year where you're no longer in a honeymoon phase. You're going to go... Okay, I won some amazing stuff last year, but wait, you're giving away this this year? No, I'm not. I'm still competing. I'm not right. resting on my laurels from last
3: year. I have a chance to win yeah. no, whatever as many this TVs year. as you want, Yeah, right? exactly. All right, with that said, let's cue the music. Let's get into the matchup. The final grade eight matchup we have of the week. Winner of this will take on Ryan Brown in the Phenomenal Four. And stay alive to win RCST Trivia 2022. And Andrew, you are the lower seed. This is the first time I've said that to you this tournament. So you have the option. Would you rather go first or go second?
2: Uh, it worked for me last week. And I went second, so I'll go second.
3: All right, Eric, defending champ, you are up first. In his record-setting debut in 1956, this KU big man notched 31 rebounds on December 3rd, 1956.
1: Go, Will The Stilt Chamberlain.
3: Yep. Bonus points for the nickname in there as well. Big Dipper, Stilt, all sorts of nicknames. All right, Andrew, for you. Behind just Danny Manning and Frank Mason, this 2022 Jayhawk had the fourth most 20 or more point games in one season in KU history, with 19 of them in 1988. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said 1988. (laughs) I was thinking Danny Manning. Let me reread that question. Behind just okay. Danny Manny and Frank Mason, this 2022 Jayhawk had the fourth most 20 or more point games in one season in KU history with 19.
2: Uh, oh, Chai Abaji,
3: yeah, I fell a little asleep at the wheel there. That's my fault. <laughs> I was Good very job. confused for about three yeah. seconds. Like, All whoa. right. User error. User error.
0: To be clear, it doesn't even say 1988 I I anywhere on I just, the sheet. I don't I like, know where that came
3: from. I was, like I said, fell asleep at the wheel there. I was in uh It's not autopilot. like you jumped to a different line. I don't line. know why I did that. Uh, all right, on to the medium round. Back to you, Eric. This freshman led Kansas in rebounds per game for the 1999 to 2000 season.
1: Uh, 99-2000. Go Drew Gooden.
3: Yep. You'd have to be thinking Gooden or Collison. Yep, you know? yeah, that was... What a what a class' that's, that's one of those
0: recruiting classes that not only was it something to be excited about as they were entering KU as freshmen, but they paid off. like mm-hmm. oh, short of obviously winning the final game they went as far as you possibly that was a heck of a, back-to-back final fours that that recruiting class brought.
3: All right Andrew, let's see if I can uh, read the question right this time. On February 10th, 2007, KU won at Missouri. Thanks to a career-high 33 points to go with 12 rebounds from what forward?
2: You said February of 07, right?
3: Yes, that is correct. So it would have been the 06-07 uh, season.
2: I'm going to go Julian Wright.
3: Yep. Julian Wright was known for being a Missouri killer. It was a lot of fun Real, to watch.
1: Right. I got. I just got to pump, him myself after the dunk that he teabags. Uh, forget who it is. My friend and I were at that game sitting behind the goal and the camera cuts to us going absolutely belligerently nuts. Alright, we're gonna have to, to find a YouTube, yeah. I'll have to check that out on, on YouTube. Love it. Oh, I've got I can show you. I've screenshotted them in case it ever went away. I love it.
3: All right, Eric, back to you. What pac twelve team did Kansas lose to in the nineteen ninety seven Sweet Sixteen despite being ten and a half point favorites?
1: Arizona, mm. Ten
4: and no, why, and a
0: why, half, dude. Why'd you have to bring that up? I'm just saying that's a lot of points. <laughs> it's Friday. It's a
3: beautiful. <laughs> well, it's Friday Georgia. the 13th. That's okay. All right, fair.
0: You got it. I'll give that to you.
3: All right, Andrew, back to you. What one seed out of the Big Ten did Kansas lose to in the 2001 Sweet 16 by 16 points, despite only being one and a half point underdogs?
2: 2001, you said? I'm yep. sorry. That is correct. Um, okay. Uh,
3: 2001, Sweet 16 out of the Big Ten.
2: Uh, I'm leaning one way really hard. But Ten I'm seconds. Still in the way.
3: Yep. Notable game because that was Bill
0: South. Bill Self. That's uh, by my count. That's uh, 16 points, and then 18 points in the two games between Self uh, Self v Williams in the Alamo Dome. Cause yep. That game is also uh, down in San Antonio. All
3: right, we're going to move up to the hard round of things. This is when uh, things get very intense here. All right, back to you, Eric. Name one of the last two scholarship players at KU to wear the number five.
1: Uh, he's one of the last two, yes, scholarship. Uh, Quentin Grimes,
3: yes, he did. The other one, guy on this year's team, but he redshirted. Kyle Cuff, I think somewhere in there, uh, oh, what was that kid's name? There was a walk-on who wore number five, but I can't remember. I feel like didn't
0: Tyler Self? Tyler Self wore about a thousand different numbers, I and I feel like five
3: was one of them. Tyshawn? No, I think he was ten and fifteen.
0: No, ty- right. Tyler Self.
3: Oh, not yeah, not yeah.
0: Not, a, not a scholarship
3: player, but gotcha. All right, Andrew, To stay alive. Name one of the last two scholarship players at KU to wear the number 22.
2: I can't think of anybody. Well, more reason. I'm going to say Dwight Colby.
3: That was the older one. That, I was not thinking that was going to be the one you got. The one that uh, was the other opposite of him was Silvio de Sosa That was the most recent I, one.
2: Marcus Morris was who I thought, and I was like, "There's oh, no way yeah. there wasn't two people before him."
3: That was and, a good hit with Dwight Colby there. Well done. Yep. All right. This is this is what we're talking about, Isaac. Uh, you had your marathon matchup with Tyler last year. I, I, in longer matchups, does it almost just feel like how tiring is it? I guess. What are the emotions that go through your head?
5: Yeah, especially, uh, you know, especially going first. Every time you answer a question, you feel like that could be the kill shot. And you ask the other question, you're kind of, you know, time's winding down the answer. You kind of think, oh, I'm, I'm about to win. And the answer's the correct question. You know, pressure's right back on you. So it is quite a whirlwind of emotions going through a long match.
3: All right, back to you, Eric. What nine seed did Kansas best 100-74 to 74 in the Sweet 16 of the 2004 NCAA Tournament?
1: Or themselves first year. Uh UAB.
0: Correct. I was at that game. I remember um, the regional uh well we were pulling out of, of first off, we went to the I went to the games with my parents, the rounds of sixty-four and thirty-two. We're pulling out of Kemper parking lot as Kansas had just defeated uh, I believe Pacific. We were listening to the radio and uh listening to the end of of the UAB pulling the upset over Kentucky. And as soon as that happened, I go, we have to go to St. Louis next week. This team could go to a Final Four.
3: All right, Andrew, for you to stay alive once again. What eight seed did Kansas best 75-56 to in the second round of the 2008 NCAA Tournament?
2: My mind just went completely blank. Holy crap! Ten seconds. Um, my God, it just—I completely went blank. I was at the freaking game. UNLV.
3: Woo! Wow! Against the buzzer—that's where the nerves and the pressure comes in. If I would have asked you that on the street, you would have probably had it like that. But. Here we go. All right, into the really hard round. We have not made it to the really hard round yet in the grade eight. No. So we do here. Back to you, Eric. In 1953, before losing to Indiana in the national title game, who did Kansas defeat in the final four?
1: I know Jokes looked at this about an hour ago. Um, Washington.
3: Wow. Yeah.
1: The
0: studying pays off. This is bet, yeah, and you want to talk about a time when uh, having, you know, what, what order the questions go is a big deal. Yeah, seriously.
3: Well, we'll see if he would have known this one or if Andrew yeah, knows true. it and we can keep going. All right, Andrew, for you. In 1957, before losing to North Carolina in the national title game, who did Kansas defeat in the Final Four?
6: Yeah,
2: I looked over these the other day and I should have looked over them earlier today. <laughs> Man, uh... Southern Methodist.
3: It started with an S. San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. The correct answer there. So Eric, would you have known the answer to that one since you just looked over that stuff this morning?
1: I did. I did, but I, I can't I said Washington very confidently and immediately I was like, "Oh my god, it might be San
3: Francisco." <laughs> <laughs> you got your you thought maybe you got your years mixed up. Yep. Andrew, would you have yep. known the the Washington one?
2: Yeah, uh, probably not. To be honest with you, those years—I mean, it, it was a long time ago—but I, those are tough for me for whatever reason,
3: you know. So. Yeah, well, tough when you didn't live it—that's for sure. Um, but it, it was a great performance by you. You—you you pushed the champ into overtime essentially. Yeah, you hit the buzzer beater on UNLV. You hit the Dwight Colby one. That was an impressive performance. Just. Sometimes you're playing a, a tough opponent, and that was the case here with Eric. That was that was an Arizona v. Illinois
0: 2005 Elite Eight game. <laughs> yeah, you but know? it's hard to have that big of a comeback in a thing like that's this. That's a good point.
3: I, I, in terms of, how about this, Kentucky, Kentucky Duke yeah. uh, with the Christian
0: Leitner
2: shot.
3: There you go. Well, uh, Andrew, uh, what are your emotions, your thoughts after falling just short? I,
2: I mean, I'm still happy to be get here. I mean, it's a bummer I lost, but it's also going up against someone really, really strong. That's... You know, now I know my I mean, my weaknesses. I should have pinpointed those a little bit harder the last 24 hours, and I didn't. So, you know, happy to be here. Congratulations, Eric, though. He's formidable 100%. So is well, what you, it is. you can hold
3: this with you. You're essentially Bill Self now. You have the Elite Eight struggles, but Bill Self eventually okay. got over it. So I'm sure you will, too, and, and you'll find okay. that success down the road. Um, Eric. Going back to the phenomenal four, third straight year in the phenomenal four, um, you've been really pushed in a lot of these matchups so far. Do you feel battle tested headed into the uh, phenomenal four?
1: A little bit. I mean, if people are pulling out Dwight Colby answers, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's uh, to, to Isaac's point. You think you've got the kill shot when you're when he's sitting there doing that, and he's pulling those answers out, and you got to regroup and get ready to answer the next one. So. um it was good to get into the hard round and and see what that's like. And uh, we'll, we'll take that momentum
5: going forward.
3: Isaac thoughts on the matchup today and thoughts on the phenomenal four. We get Eric versus Ryan on one side, Justin versus Tyler on the other.
5: No, this is definitely one of those, you know, Sunday afternoon, primetime CBS games. Everybody's locked in great matchup. Uh, in terms of the final, the phenomenal four field, obviously, uh, you know, great field for great competitors, but, uh, Um, To kind of take it on a lesser note here, you know, you hate to hear these kind of things, but there was a rumor that went around that Filer was supposed to have an in person study session that he was a last minute cancel on with Kyle. So (laughs) we we uh, did on the
2: phone. It doesn't, it's, I don't need to sit in his living room. I uh, was on the phone the whole time for two hours. you You
5: hate to hear those kind of clouds, you know. Did it play a factor? We'll never know. But uh, just you know, you did wow. see those, those things on, on on social media. So this this
0: is Michael Jordan going to gamble in Atlantic City during the Eastern yeah. Conference Finals type thing.
2: <laughs> I would have been drunk at Kyle's. I was sober. <laughs> <when> I was.
3: <laughs> well, guys, we appreciate it. Andrew, look forward to having you back next year. Look forward to having you in the yeah. football edition coming up here yeah. in a couple months. And Eric, congratulations. Right. Just continue on to be the uh, the blue blood of all blue bloods. Here in uh, RCST trivia.
5: Thank you.
0: Um, I'm gonna call it right now. I don't think we're gonna have a match the rest of the tournament. That's gonna be that good. It's it's tough, right? That was good. I mean, you
3: have to. <laughs>
0: they, I mean, they made it. And, and, and like, think about, like, think about how few times we I got it- into the really hard in previous rounds. And that was when you only had to answer one hard right. question.
3: Yeah. These guys got into the really hard question really hard category having to answer two hard yeah, questions. Yeah, and that's the thing that stinks for Andrew. He's probably sitting there going, Man, if I was in if I was had would have gotten to play Nick Schwert in the, the grade eight, or if I would have gotten to play, you know, whoever, I, I would have advanced and I I would side on that. That's I mean, just you had- sometimes you get the brat the the wrong draw, you know? It just I, it, Yeah, that Eric
0: way. Eric's a a juggernaut. Yeah, he He's is He's an absolute juggernaut. A machine. And, and to put him um you know, I'm actually going to, I know that it's two, uh, you know, rivals of KU and, and schools that aren't uh, super popular around Lawrence, but I'm actually going to stick with that Duke Kentucky comparison because at that, you know, that was Duke going for a second straight title against a really good Kentucky team and just an absolute all time classic of, of, I can say the elite eight since it was the NCAA tournament, um, And this was an all-time classic of of a grade 8. That was a heck of a match.
3: Yeah, that was. That was a fun one. That's what we're in this for. So thanks to both those guys. I... A phenomenal force coming for Andrew. Like I said, you keep knocking on the door. It's like Bill Self. He kept making Elite Eights. Eventually, you're going to crack through. And Eric, yeah, just, just an absolute machine. So uh, our phenomenal force set. Eric, the one seed, will take on the 14 seed, Ryan Brown. And then the other one seed, Tyler Feist, will take on the three seed, Justin Nichols. We are ever so close to crowning our 2022 champion. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Phenomenal trivia matchup there. Eric, moving on. We have Eric Ryan, Justin Anton. I
0: believe the phenomenal ones are coming up, Derek. That one was great.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a great matchup. Uh, thank you to all of our contestants in Trivia. Four to go. We're going to have those matchups on Monday and Tuesday for you. And then the title and third place game. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Maybe it'll be next Friday. Maybe it'll be the week after. It'll just kind of depend on on the schedules of uh, who makes it along. Okay, uh, we have to get to the stock market because it's that time on a Friday. The stock market has officially closed down in Wall Street. Ring the bell there. And we get into our sports stock market. First up, we talked about last week Phil Mickelson's stock was up because of the fact that you know, not in the headlines for good reasons. He had lost like $40 million or something in gambling. But it gambling. was
0: up because he was not in the headlines for uh, insider trading yeah. or saying, or awful, the Saudi Arabia saying stupid stuff, things right? and awful
3: things about Saudi Arabia. Exactly. His, his stock is up even more now. Is he still in the red, though, would you say? Uh, yes, probably. Yeah, okay. Um, but even more than it was last week, because now the reason he's in the news again, he's even better than that one. Okay. At least in in terms of positive PR, it's it's still not a great thing. He is withdrawing from the PGA Championship. He was the the defending champ, won last year. He's withdrawing, but again, that's a positive increase in where the news stories are going. That's fair. Yeah. yeah.
0: Slowly um, working up in the world. Can you? One thing I always love about the the Tiger Phil rivalry. Was Tiger? I've always said this. Tiger Woods, it wasn't just his extreme greatness that that made people love him and and made him such an attractive sports figure. The best way I can explain it is, and and Phil, amazing golfer. Like, there's been plenty of great ones, Um, but what I think made Tiger such an attractive golfer was Tiger Woods played golf like a linebacker. He was the most aggressive golfer I've ever seen. And it was just in the way he attacked the court, everything. Um, and then the way he celebrated, too. Things were loud. He had his, his famous that kind of became a, a famous silhouette with his underhand kind of fist pump. Whereas I, all I could think is every time Phil Mickelson made a great shot, and there were plenty, whether it be a tee shot or an iron or a putt, and he had plenty. he's had plenty. He's a great golfer. Whereas Tiger would have this amazing, really cool-looking celebration All I could think when Phil Mickelson, his reaction every time, it just looked like he was going, NEAT! Like, that's all I could think. is like, that's just a dork who just, like, you could tell Tiger, you could read his lips. Tiger was many times yelling, F yeah, after a great (laughs) shot. And it just looked like Phil, I couldn't read his lips, but just his body reaction just made it seem like he was just this nerdy dude going,
3: NEAT! Super shot, Phil! All right, uh, check this story out. Doc is down on flatulence. Okay, I would never say that's up, but well, that's even more I mean, down. It depends. I mean, you know, some people think flatulence can be funny and stuff like that. They uh, need to grow up. But what happens when it costs you a job? That was the case for. I can't
0: uh, believe you're even talking, Derek. We're on the radio. Uh-huh. This is this is an important
3: duty. Yeah, <laughs> duty. You set yourself up for that one. I am. Brazilian defender Marcelo—I don't know if it's Marcello, but, uh, Marcelo, but <laughs> Marcelo—this was, was crazy—was dropped from Lyon, who is like one of the top teams, and I think it's France, uh, the first team, because they were giving a uh, a speech. Um, the captain was giving a speech trying to rally the uh, the team <laughs> following the game. It didn't go down well, and he was just in the corner laughing because he kept farting, and he kept farting, and he thought it was so funny. He just kept laughing, laughing while they were having this important speech after a big loss. This feels like a middle school. Like a, this
0: would happen with a, in like a middle school. I mean, look, it would happen. Let's not pretend. I mean, it would happen with a lot of adults, including myself.
3: But that's they just couldn't control it. He got fired for it, yeah. man. He was he was disciplined by the club, um, and then he, <laughs> he. I mean, this is a guy who was considered one of the leaders of the team. He had signed a new contract months before. Wow. And the club described his actions as inappropriate behavior. His contract was terminated. Is that in the contract notes? Or like, you can't laugh at Yeah, far. do you think that's a, a, a firing with cause? I guess. Do you think part
0: of his, do you think, like, among his Leon gear, like, he had a jersey and some and some shorts, and, and do you think he had a, a nice windbreaker? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha.
3: What if this was just like, what if this was a ploy by one of the other players at his position and they put like a whoopee cushion under his chair because they knew he like found farts so funny what that they were he, like, you know what, I'm going to mess it? this guy over. What if, what if it's,
0: okay, so what was his contract worth?
3: I have no idea, let's see.
0: Let's say, let's. here's a conspiracy. This is a big ploy. This whole thing is a big ploy. Gasex said, all right, we'll give you 10% more than your contract to get fired for this reason. That's the whole, and that's what it's all about.
3: You know? No, nah, I don't think it's worth it. No. Nah. I don't know. I can't find how much he makes. I'm just saying,
0: like, let's say he makes, uh, he's in France, right? I don't know anymore, but yeah. But that, that Leon is in France. So let's say he makes a million euros because they do euros. Let's say he makes a million euros a year. And GasX is like, we'll pay you 1.1 million euros to get fired for that, and then you'll do GasX commercials for us. I don't think that was happened, but it's funny. I to feel like you it.
3: probably made more than that. Leon is like a well, really big soccer Well, I'm just using round club.
0: numbers. Just whatever, yeah, yeah. whatever a 10% raise would be.
3: <sighs> I mean, it wasn't even mentioned in the story, though, so they would be doing a terrible job of getting publicity. Okay, uh, next story. Stock is down on College Dorm Interaction. No, it was already. That's a shame. It was down during COVID. Then probably, you know, has worked its way back, back up. No Um, more ties on doors. No, it's just that um, EA is no longer making the FIFA soccer video game. And if you've lived in the dorms, you know that like the biggest video game played among people in dorms. I don't know for what reason. It's not even that everybody's soccer fans is FIFA. It, it, for some reason. Is it's like right? a disease, yeah. So you I, walk around and say, hey, you want to play me in FIFA? And so, You know, we walk down the dorm, go to the, the next whatever room and, and go play somebody in FIFA. But now that they're not making it anymore, how will the college kids survive? I um I never knew.
0: I never lived in a dorm. For those who don't know, Derek knows this. Um, I took a four-year gap year. In between high school and college i occasionally would go part-time here and there to a community college but in general i took a four-year gap year i graduated uh college at a or high school at the age of 18 had a lot of fun and then at 22 i said oh i should do something so i didn't start college till the age till i like basically when most of my friends were graduating college was my freshman year anyway um so I never, because of my age, I was like, I don't really think I want to live in a dorm. But my point is, the college experience should be, once you're 21, to be clear, once you're 21, the college experiment, uh, experience should be finding, like, like, learning the hard way that certain alcohol mixtures are horrible. That should, that's, go back to doing that. Again, when you're 21. You know, it should be like you know, you hit that night where you're like, you still want to keep partying, but you're out of mixers. So You're like, well, let's just mix vodka and jelly in a blender and see what happens. When you're 21, that's what the college experience need to be.
3: I, uh, you would have been, you would have been great if you would have been somebody's uh, dorm roommate and you were 22. They would have loved you because you could have bought them alcohol.
0: I never. Are you? Are you out of your
3: mind, Derek? <laughs> Excuse me. Just saying, my roommate would have been above 21. Well, I would have done. Uh, okay, uh, next story. Stock up on undefeated jokes. Oh, okay. They usually peak, I think, the most when the MLB season starts. At least that's when I see it the most because it's, it's the most funny doing it in the MLB season. 162 and 0. Yeah, yeah, your team starts 1 and 0. They're going 162 and 0. You know, we hear all those jokes uh fans rushing to tell you they're on pace for that to happen. That dies down after the first game or two. You know, if you start 2-0 or 3-0, you're probably still making the jokes. My favorite stupid baseball
0: joke is if a if a pitcher allows a hit with the first batter, which happens a lot at Royals games lately. Um I'll go, "Oh, well, there goes the no hitter." Mm. Ah!
3: That's a very much a dad. not I don't thing I don't have say. kids, but I am a
0: I am a I am
3: extremely
0: good at dad jokes.
3: Well, the, the undefeated jokes have died down from the MLB. Or at least they did. And then we got the NFL schedule release last night. Uh, and quickly, you go to social media and you will find fans telling you they see 17-0. and 0. I, Will it happen? Unlikely. Do the jokes get old? I yes, do, I do But not. do they keep coming? You bet.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I uh yeah, definitely up in quantity, not quality. Right. I I see I don't see any team. I see every every NFL team this year I believe will be feated.
3: I agree. I think I would just take that bet each and every year. If if I want to be wrong once every 50 years, I'm fine with that. Okay, next story. Stock is up again. I mean, a lot of stocks up. Uh, stock is up on bad playoff performers, uh, yeah. which I guess you could say this is stock down on the—I don't know—the opposite. Uh, so, but again, we, we're going by quantity of it. Yeah, yeah. So, stocks up on bad playoff performers. Uh, Minnesota, we've mentioned them before. They are just known historically as a sports town. Uh, playoff struggles. The Minnesota Wild had the second most points over the course of the season. So basically, they were the, the second best team in the Western Conference. They lost in the first round after leading two to one. Against the Blues, right? Yep, and they lost the next three. So lost oh, in six. Gloria. The Timberwolves lost in the first round with a bunch of games that they, they blew big leads. Can I just say, and this is off topic, but I, I was
0: actually not, I had no problem with their celebration after winning the play-in game. Because to me, it remind, if you didn't have a play-in game, and like like the Royals had a pretty decent celebration in 2014, just for clinching the wild card, not winning the wild card game, but like the night they officially clinched a postseason berth, to me, that's what it felt more like. Like if, if you are celebrating, like let's say there's four games left in the regular season and you clinch a postseason berth, you'd have a big celebration for that. It just so happens that their berth came because this there's now a a, a playing game. Does that make
3: sense? Yeah. But so, anyway, you're, ultimately they got bounced. So since October fifth of two thousand four, the Twins. The Vikings, the Timberwolves, and the Wild—that's four uh, major professional sporting teams in Minnesota—have gone a combined thirty-one and eighty-one in the postseason. Lord Almighty! That is a two seventy-seven win percentage.
0: And real quick, because of the Wild and, and the Blues uh, upsetting them, I'm going to give a one on my for myself. Mm. Stock up on my argument that Kansas City uh, would have a better chance of winning a Stanley Cup than an
3: NBA World Championship. Yeah, there's way more parity in yeah. hockey. I mean, you'll see six. Uh, and the Ove- Blues- Ovechkin finally got his was like an eight seed with the Capitals. Yeah, and I will say it's it's a little silly how they do the playoffs now. So the Blues weren't the seven seed. Um, the Blues were actually like the three seed technically, yeah. and they played in the first round because for
0: an established. Product Like the NHL, like most people consider the NHL still as one of the big four in North American sports. And for as established of a product as they are, they change their playoff system like more what you would yes. think like a minor league would do to get more notoriety.
3: Yeah, so it's like the top three, they, they split up each conference into two divisions, the top three in each division, and then the next two best teams make it. So it ended up that they were playing in the first round, but they were actually the second and third best records or or points. Um, So unfortunate there, but still
0: for a league with so much success, notoriety and tradition, they, they revamp their playoff format a
3: lot. Yeah, they do. Um, So that was, that was one of the reasons why uh, stocks up on bad playoff performers. Uh, Still the same story. I Um, know, but I uh, that's fine. Uh, Chris Paul, Chris Paul has had the narrative for a while now that, you know, he's this great point guard. People throw him in the ring of one of the greatest point guards of all time. Now, He's not in the discussion where people talk about, like, Magic Johnson and stuff. But in terms of being, you know, one of those next guys, he's he's always in the conversation. And he's always been a guy who the argument against him is never at a finals. And ring cor- culture is kind of stupid, especially in the NBA. But also, he's never even been to the NBA finals. I think, la- well, no, until last year. I'm sorry. Until last year. Um, I'm trying to think before last year. I don't even think he had been to the conference finals. Which that, that is a little right. weird, right? right. Because you would think if you're like that great, you would have at least led your team to the, to a conference finals. He also kind of got jobbed by David Stern. <laughs> he did. He did. He would have ended up on the Lakers, and you know they probably win a finals. But um, he averaged 15 and 11 in the regular season. Very high efficiency. Has been a great pay- player all season. The last four games, and they're in Game Seven now with the Mavs. So we'll see what happens. He is averaging nine points and six assists per game. That's bad.
0: And I, I said earlier, I was hoping the Sun. I don't. I don't have an NBA team. I tried to root for the Thunder. I don't root against the Thunder, but I just the feeling I get watching KU and the Chiefs and the world, like the excitement and nerves that I get, I just don't I haven't found a team in the NBA that I get it for. Um, so I the NBA is kind of my enjoy just I enjoy watching because I I can relax and just watch a great game and not care who wins. But I look at I, I kinda compared a couple weeks ago this playoffs. This is the chance for CP3 to kind of get what Dirk got in 2011, an all-time great who never won a championship, and you think maybe maybe his time to have gotten that title had passed by, and he, he, you know they come up and get it. There's still a chance. I mean, it's Game Seven. They can win. They could. It's and they're at home, aren't they? Yeah. So they could very home well. Home teams won every game. Yeah, so yeah, far. yeah. So they, you know, that could change. and They could wind up in the finals and still win the whole thing, but. I really that's that's kind of a bummer because I really want CP three to get that ring, um, and uh, but yeah, it's it's
3: um, it is it is what it is. He struggled. That would be funny to me though if they ended up winning the finals and he ended he just, up like nine, sucking yeah. the whole way through he and is just like nine he and finally two, got yeah. it. But he nine and twos his way to a title, yeah, right? Uh, and then the last guy uh, who's part of this with you know stocks up for bad playoff performance, Doc Rivers. Um, kept playing DeAndre Jordan, did certain things throughout the game, wouldn't play like Paul Reed, all those things. 76ers lose in six. They just got their butt kicked yesterday. Um, and, and I'll get this. like The dude gets credit for being a good coach. I think sometimes when we see coaches and players fail a bunch in the postseason, their notoriety is up more than the guys that don't make the postseason. So it gets almost almost inundated with like, Oh, this guy stinks because he he is the loser among the winners, Andy if that Reed. makes sense. Perfect, Andy Reid, perfect example. Mm-hmm. I think Bill O'Brien would be another perfect example. Like Overall, Bill O'Brien, obviously bad GM, bad with the player side. But from the coach side, he was probably like a league average quarterback. He made the playoffs like every year. He made the playoffs with... But among the playoff coaches, yeah. he was at the bottom, but right? But he consistently made playoffs with turd quarterbacks, exactly. too. So um, that's kind of what doc rivers is in right now but here's rivers playoff resume if you remember he won the nba finals with the boston celtics Yes, he did uh then they go back to the title two years later and they um lose there to the lakers in seven games a game that they could have won. great great series absolutely here is his playoff resume resume since then Lost in the second round to Miami. Lost in the Eastern Conference Final. Again to Miami, so excuse it. That was the big three. But you did lose a 3-2 lead there. Then you, the next year, losing the first round to the Knicks. You go to the Clippers after that. You lose in the second round to OKC, a series that was tied 2-2. The Clippers were up 7 with 50 seconds left and lost Game 5. Then they blew two separate 13 point leads in Game 6, so they lose that series. Next year, you lose in the second round to Houston when you lost a 3-1 series lead. Yep. Next year, you lose in the first Round, you're up 2-0 in the series on Portland. You lose the next four. Next year you lose in the first round to Utah. You're up 2-1. You lose in 7. Next year you lose in the first round to Golden State, which that's fine. The fact that you even pushed them to six was actually that's that's pretty impressive there. But then you lose in the second round the next year to Denver. Again, you lose a 3-1 series lead. You go to Philly the year after that, you lose to Atlanta, who you're up two to one on, and we're the higher seed, you lose in seven, and then this year you lose in the second round to Miami. So to total that up. He has not made it out of the second round since 2012. And in that time span, so that's nine playoff appearances, he has lost to four lower seeds. He has lost five of nine of the series where he has either led 2-1 to one or 3-1. to one. So wow. more than half the series, he has led at least game three or game four. And also about half he's lost as the higher seed.
0: So the plan is, if you're running an NBA franchise, you hire Doc Rivers, get a 3-1 lead in the playoffs, can <laughs> him, Prairie. Interim coach wins, hire Doc Rivers back, get a 3-1 lead in that playoff series, Mm -hmm. fire him again,
3: Mm -hmm. and just keep doing that. And and that didn't end up happening against the Sixers. They fell behind 2-0. But I think there's a case to be made. If Joel Embiid, because he didn't play in the first two games, Joel Embiid plays in the first two games, they win one of two, then they win both at home, they're up (laughs) 3-1, they lose game five, then they lose last night, then they would lose game seven because they'd be on the road against the Heat. It could (laughs) have happened again if Joel Embiid was healthy. All right, last story we got to get to. This one's quick. Stock is down on gravity because Paul Reed, the Sixers' backup center, says his off-season goal is to add 10 to 15 inches to his vertical. And who are we to doubt him? Let's do it. All, All right, right. Make Let's it happen. It. I'm, I'm rooting for him. That is <laughs> stock market for the sports market here. This is Rock Jock Sports Talk. He's Adam Drovada. I'm Derek Johnson. FM 1017, 1320, KLWN. Depend on it. Joined now by Brandon McAnderson here on your Friday on Rock Jock Sports Talk. FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I want to talk a little KU football, a little NBA playoffs with BMAC. Uh, starting off on the football side of things, uh, you know, just seeing all these transfers and, and stuff come into the program, whether it was the guys, you know, back in the, uh, I guess, winter period or whatever you would call that, now happening in the spring. How much, uh, specifically for the guys who are coming in in the spring or coming in right now, committing right now, post-spring ball, how much can they truly impact things in the upcoming season if they don't have spring ball with that specific team but they do have experience elsewhere at the collegiate level?
6: Oh, they can help plenty, you know, because those guys, when you're bringing in guys that have a consistent amount of snaps throughout their career – They're just not going to need a tune-up, especially guys that are coming from other Power 5 programs. So getting some of those guys in the summer, guys that have gotten quality reps as um, important players on Power 5 teams, those guys are just going to need to to have a chance to understand the playbook. But they know they can play, so there's a little bit easier uh, transition period.
3: You know, as they continue to operate the portal, Kansas in general, like, are, are there certain positions that, that you're looking for them to continue to address or that you think you know would help them the most at this point in the game as they continue to add more players?
6: Yeah, obviously they feel like they need some depth at safety. I'm kind of going off what what their actions would indicate. I think they want some depth at safety and some experience at wide receiver. Those seem to be the places that they're going and also depth at O-line. Um, I like the Juco offer, uh, the Cooper Lovelace guy that's uh, currently offered, and then we had a commitment from Butler and a transfer from Buffalo. So that gives you, you know, going out of the spring, I felt like they had six guys that could play. Maybe it's looking more like eight or nine now. So that's uh, that's quality depth, and that's what they wanted to do. And then wide receiver, you just want to get as many guys that you think can play in there as possible, just so that if someone emerges, they become the number one. If not, you have a nice rotation. I think that's what they're angling towards. Yeah, how much does, you know, having that, I
3: guess, top-tier receiver, you know, we always talk about it in terms of, like, who's the number one? And I don't know that in this offense that's a thing. I, I think it's just you have your three guys who are kind of on the field or two or however many are, are on the formation. Does that almost get, you know, dissipated a little bit given the style of this offense?
6: I would say no because I think the past year showed us that each quarterback had a rhythm with, you know, a specific player because you saw that Jason Bean and Trevor Wilson were on the same wavelength entirely. And Trevor Wilson had a great start to the season. But when Jalen got more reps, you saw uh, Trevor Wilson fade and then you saw uh, Kwame Laster emerge as the go to guy. You also saw Luke Grimm and Jalen Daniels also have good chemistry, being that they came in together. Felt like Jalen Wilson and uh, some of these other guys. Sorry, not Jalen Wilson. (laughs) We're basketball (laughs) crazy here. Uh, Jalen Daniels, just uh, him and Jared Casey, they had a nice rhythm. So I think it's more rhythm based than a true number, definite number one. I think they can get comfortable with each other and have a, a true outlet that they trust. Is there a player that wasn't here, whether it's uh, an incoming
3: freshman or one of those late-in-the-game transfer pickups that maybe you're most excited to see, or maybe somebody who was injured and we didn't get to see a ton of, that you're most excited to see what they look like in the fall?
6: Yeah, I'm excited for guys like Haisha. I mean, he's a guy that we just haven't seen very much of. Um, And then when we did, there were so many problems throughout the team that we couldn't even really evaluate what type of player he was. I'll be interested to see what he's like, you know, with this type of infrastructure. Um, Obviously, Craig Young's a guy that, you know, just a type of guy that Kansas just doesn't have access to normally. And he is uh, definitely one of one on campus for Kansas. So he's someone I definitely want to see. And then some of the young guys that contributed as freshmen, but have made the leap. You know, the O.J. Burrows of the world, uh, Jason Gilliam, um, some of these guys. And, of course, Armage Reed Adams has been one of my favorite players since he showed up on campus. You know, the guy was almost 400 pounds. Now he's 3'10", no belly, super long arms. He looks like a pro. I can't wait to watch him. Um, they had him slotted at right guard during the spring. So I think he's going to be a big-time player as well.
3: Yeah, I'm excited to see the progression of really that offensive line in general because we saw it over the course of the season. Now you bring back four starters. I've heard good things about Earl Bostick as well, kind of uh, you mm-hmm. know possibly breaking out, and he was already showed some good flashes in uh, previous years as well. So uh, I-, I have kind of a silly hypothetical for you here. We've been asking some of our guests in KU football. This is something we talked about maybe a month ago, and we've kind of circulated back up. Uh, what of uh, like which of these two do you think would be more beneficial to? The program, like building things up, because we all know that four wins would be the most for the program since the Mangino days 13 years ago. So obviously that would be a, a big win total if you could get to that. Um, but we also hear all the time that, you know, when you're building things up. Uh, the first step is is playing all these competitive games, and, and then you start to win them the next season. And, and maybe we saw that last year at the end of the year because that's how things finished for KU, but maybe over the course of the season. So wh- which of these two do you think would be more beneficial to the program? Uh, going 2-10, and ten, but literally all 10 losses are by two scores or less, or going 4-8, and eight, so reaching that best win total in over a
6: decade, but all eight losses are blowout losses. Oh man, that's tough. I think that, you know, competitiveness is something that, you know, is it, it has to be learned through live action. And we saw that those last three games, what it was like to have your team in every game, that two win total is alarming, especially with, you know, all the things that are on, on the horizon, that uh, the things we don't speak of uh, in the, in Kansas athletics, that, that, that two wins may not be sufficient. So I would go with the four wins, even though the eight blowouts would be extremely painful and in some ways a sign of a lack of progress in terms of what you want to build in a program. But I think given the circumstances that are circulating around college football, the four wins would seem to have more importance.
3: We're talking with Brandon McAnderson here on Rock Jock Sports Talk. I I, I did say I wanted to talk some NBA playoffs, so let's switch gears to that. Your Miami Heat. Move past the Philadelphia 76ers last night. Thought it was kind of a lethargic game for the 76ers, especially considering uh, that, you know, they were up against elimination. And they've been, uh, in terms of the Miami Heat, I feel like one of the more underrated one seeds that I can remember, maybe going back to, I don't know, there was that Hawks one seed that was kind of underrated, but that was probably for good reason and they ended up getting swept in the conference finals by the Cavaliers. But do you think this Heat team can realistically win the title?
6: No. (laughs) I think they are. I think they're a good team. I do. I think that they they're gritty. They have depth, which is, you know, unique at this point of the playoffs. Usually teams are playing six or seven guys. They seem like they can play nine or 10, but at the same time, my concern with them is more about um, do they have enough pop if they're playing a team that has a real wing defender? Um, The 76ers have holes for days, (laughs) especially on, you know, considering what James Harden has become. They also don't have a wing defender. I mean, you you love Tybalt. I think Tybalt got some maybe first or second team defensive votes. But he can't shoot, and he can't score, and he has no confidence. So they couldn't play him at all. So Jimmy Butler kind of feasted on them. I don't see Jimmy Butler feasting on the Celtics or uh, the Bucs if he gets through. I think, I mean, the Bucs last time put Giannis on him, and that was – that was all she wrote. So, um, with him being the focal point and really the only established offensive weapon, uh, I prefer the uh, the Celtics-Bucks matchup over the Heat.
3: So, do you almost feel like the Heat would have a better chance in a final series than they would in the 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 Eastern Conference Finals?
6: I do. I just my issue with them is that they can be very disruptive, but I think they miss Kyle Lowry as a Kyle Lowry, you just look at his stats and you're just like, well, we can replace seven points and, you know, four assists, two steals, 13 flops and, you know, a couple turnovers, (laughs) a couple, you know, random crashing into people. But he's kind of he's an engine type player. And because, you know, you have Jimmy Butler as standalone, a guy that can get his offense, you kind of need someone to get those other three guys going. And I think that's what Kyle Lowry could provide. Um, if he were healthy, the one game he played, he looked very bad. So I, I doubt that he'll be back full strength. Um, but if they get to a final series, you figure they'd be matching up with Golden State, um, Phoenix or the Mavs. And, you know, I don't I don't feel like Jimmy Butler would have a clear advantage over those teams like he does against the Sixers but I think he'd have a pretty good shot. So I think a finals matchup would be more beneficial than the, than the uh, Eastern Conference finals. I think he's going to have some tough matchups.
3: Well, the 76ers are interesting now. I mean, they have the, the decision what to do with James Harden in the offseason, and, off and it's hard not to say, you know, we gave up all this for this guy, and what other option do we have? Do we just give him the money? Or I, I don't know, because what you saw last night, like, You bring him in to be different than Ben Simmons, he takes two shots in the second half, and he doesn't make any. Um, And and I kind of feel bad for Joel Embiid. I know he struggled mightily last night, and um, it almost felt like he was trying to kind of play hero ball at times. I think he went 7 of 24. He's getting doubled and tripled at times, um, battling through the injury all series long. I, I just hope that this doesn't turn into the new NBA narrative, which you know in the NBA, the narrative machine is hot and heavy that with Joel Embiid having never made a, a conference finals, that this is all his doing?
6: Yeah, I think you'll start to hear some of that, but because he's, I think NBA Twitter and the NBA sphere is weird sometimes. And I think it's partially because, you know, someone wins an MVP, then it's like, oh, what's he just have? An MVP? That's kind of what Jokic is going through. I feel like since Embiid hasn't reached that plateau, they won't be quite as harsh. And also, you said injury. I mean, it really should be injuries. Yeah. This man has a lot going on with his body, and he and he tried to do his best to get through it. What I like about Joel Embiid, though, is that um, in these press conferences, he's so honest and he has unlimited leverage over the 76ers, and they asked him about James Harden, and he said he's not that player anymore. <laughs> and so that's either – that's he's either going to get butt hurt and go into the tank like Ben Simmons, or he's going to look at that and say, man, I need to get my stuff together because – we all know that Embiid is going to be the focal point of the team moving forward. He is the best asset. And if you're the 76ers and if you're Derek Johnson, Derek Johnson, you should be writing an insider book on exactly what <laughs> happened in this trade. Cause it has got to be one of the more bizarre NBA trades of all time. You, you trade Simmons uh, for James Harden, James Harden takes two shots and you're still up in the trade because Ben Simmons is having back surgery. So, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it has got to be one of the most, you know, interesting trades in NBA history just because it still feels like no one won.
3: Yeah, that's it's a it's a weird way of putting it. And, and you know, you, you, what you mentioned, Joel Embiid, it makes you, I think, understand more why Jimmy Butler and him get along so well. And I don't know if you saw this after the game. Jimmy Butler's like walking to the locker room and he's shouting Tobias Harris over me, kind of implying that. You know, the 76ers, because yeah. that offseason, they, they chose him. And that's just kind of what it seems like to me for the Sixers. Like, this isn't a Joel Embiid problem. This is a, uh, I guess, decision-making problem around him. Doc Rivers playing DeAndre Jordan for so much in the series and choosing Tobias Harris, Harris who did, like, nothing last night, again, over kind of Jimmy Butler there. It's, just, it's kind of an uh, all-encompassing thing. I, I, I can't help but wonder if, if Joel Embiid is going to be that next big star that— and I don't know when he's a free agent. It's probably— years down the road, um, to kind of leave and, and maybe find a new destination to try to team up with the with the star and and do that whole thing. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you saw the end to the Milwaukee-Boston Game 5 where Drew Holiday, he gets the block on the drive, then throws it uh, off of Marcus Smart as he's falling out of bounds. That keeps him up one. They hit two free throws. Then the Celtics are down three with ten seconds. As they're bringing the ball up the court, Drew Holiday just rips it clean from Marcus Smart, which – Kickstarted a conversation for us yesterday. What would be the most fun way to get a game-winning play on the road? Um, We had some people comment on us on social media and say, winning by 30. Okay, screw off. We're saying the winning play. But nonetheless, um, what do you think would be the most fun way to quiet a road crowd with a game-winning play? Would it be a game-winning block, game-winning shot, game-winning dunk? Like, How would you draw it up?
6: So Drew Holiday and Giannis are two of my favorite players in the league. Drew Holiday, watching him do some of these defensive counters and force people into all this discomfort. And he's so strong and so methodical and so relentless. That guy's just a joy to watch, first of all. And I'll go straight to Drew Holiday for the best game-winning, game-changing play. We're thinking about that block, which I was still in disbelief. I don't know how he had planned to catch it, throw it off, maintain his body control and then close out with the steal there was four seconds that was a huge gamble I mean he was guarding Jalen Brown on the left wing he just leaves him and steals the ball (laughs) but it reminded me of game five in Phoenix with the Suns down one and he gets the strip on Devin Booker drives the ball down and throws that ridiculous Mm out hoop that was just the most high risk play in the world and Giannis goes up and finishes it I felt like those the last two times my jaw dropped, uh three times in NBA history by jaw dropped, was LeBron with the block to beat the to beat the Warriors, Drew with the alley oop to uh Giannis, and then Drew with this block play. I mean he's he he's just been had such a knack for that huge moment and uh it seems like just a continuation. So I would go with the steel alley oop to Giannis.
3: Yeah, I I think that what he did in in that game against the Celtics and that one that you said against the Suns, like that to me is is more exciting than somebody just hitting like a shot as a buzzer beater because it's it's just more unique. You don't see it as often. Um, so I, a little bit into the Western Conference, Dallas Phoenix is going into Game Seven. Which, you know, if if Luca wins this game, he's going to start getting brought up. I I don't think he probably should. I mean, he's clearly a great player, but in that conversation of oh, is he you know now the new best player in the NBA? Because this is what we do in the playoffs. Uh, and the Chris Paul playoff narrative is going to continue to take uh, kind of a dive there, but who knows? The Suns could still win because everybody at home has performed better in the series, and then you have the Warriors up 3-2 on the Grizzlies, get blown out in Game 5, but now they're back home for Game 6. I think everybody is kind of assuming they're going to wrap things up in Game 6. What are kind of your thoughts on the Western Conference? Who do you think makes it out?
6: So the Western Conference has been interesting. Ultimately, I would say John Morant, has to be someone that has to look in the mirror this offseason because it feels like they're a real championship contender if he was just an average defender i mean he he is like a uh he's like one of those turnstiles at the at the subway station and to see him out and then just be able to lock them down completely makes you wonder hey give us 10 percent less offense you can give us a little bit more on defense and we could win a title i think that's been interesting the warriors have some real issues on the Defensive perimeter. I think they would have a lot of trouble moving forward with any of the teams because Luca, you know, you their primary defender is uh in terms of a wing guard type is Wiggins. But that means Wiggins has to play a guard type role. You can't it really makes it hard for them to match up with a lot of teams because Klay Thompson can't play defense like he used to. Steph Curry's never been a good on ball defender. And Peel is definitely not a good def- – or pool is definitely not a good defender. So I think they've got some real issues on the defensive perimeter, and I hope the Grizzlies can push them to seven. I think it would just be fun to see the Warriors be the Warriors again uh, on the road in a game seven. And then the Suns and Mavs, even though the Mavs win that game pretty easily, it doesn't feel like they're going to win the series. Not because they can't. I do think – I mean, we've seen Luka take it to a whole nother level. I do think he's an all-time uh, – Playoff performer in the making And um, I think he can make it tough on you But the Suns have won so easily in Phoenix And they missed so many wide open shots When they broke that game open the last three minutes of the half Devin Booker missed two wide open threes Cam Johnson missed a wide open three Uh, Chris Paul had two breakaway bad turnovers And the next thing you know they were down 17 So that game, it felt like they were getting the shots that they wanted And if they knock those shots down, they probably win And I think they'll win game seven
3: Uh, What's your uh, finals pick right now?
6: I started the season with the Suns and the Bucks, and I think I'll just stick with it. I mean, the Bucks to do what they're doing, Giannis is. I mean, I don't think the best player in the world thing is even a conversation anymore. This man is beating the Celtics, a team that they just called a historic defense, with a guard rotation of Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, George Hill, and West Matthews. <laughs> I mean, in in twenty twenty two in the NBA. They have the Nuggets level guards. Sorry if that if that. <laughs> no, really it's good. true. But, I I, mean, I've said before if Jokic wasn't on the team this yeah. outside of Drew Holiday,
3: yeah. If Jokic wasn't on the team this year, they're probably a bottom five team in the NBA oh, given no the, the injuries. Question. Yeah. <laughs>
6: no question, just a terrible guard rotation like the Nuggets. I I just have been shocked that they have been able to continue to go toe to toe with the Celtics, who have one of the great defenses, have two young rising stars have uh an Al Horford you can't even call a throwback he's better now than he's ever been <laughs> so you've got the best Al Horford ever made you know you got uh an, an up-and-coming superstar in Tatum an up-and-coming star in Brown a point guard that you kind of found money with Marcus Smart so they have a good team and they're going toe-to-toe with no guards it's been pretty impressive
3: He is Brandon McAnderson, Jayhawk Radio Network, former Orange Bowl winning running back, NBA savant, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. BMAC, appreciate the time as always, and have a good weekend, man.
6: Thanks for having me. Have a good one.
3: All right, that's Brandon McAnderson joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, Johnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports.